Hello everybody, um, welcome back to Defending Fan Fiction. My name is Jay and today I will be eating popcorn chicken out of a ceramic noisy bowl while discussing with you uh, cringe culture, specifically OCs and self-inserts. Now let's get started. Uh, the fanfiction that we're reviewing today is one of my earliest fanfictions. It is called Mother of Ice. Now, this was written in 2012, and I actually had to go back and find my fanfiction account, my fanfic.net account. I don't know the login to it, but I was able to remember my username and I found it that way. I have a total of 14 works on that account, and this is surprisingly my like fifth most popular. And when I look back at it, I cringe so hard because it is just kind of poorly written and it played into some of the scene culture at the time. Now scene was mostly around during 2010 and like I said this was written in 2012 uh, but it's just it's wild. Um, so this piece of fiction does center around an original character Sorry to take a water break that just, you know. Um, so it does center around an original character, an original OC character, Do Not Steal. And I can't remember at the time if I made this character solely to be uh, cute and to fulfill my 13-year-old mind's perception of a perfect family or if I intended for it to go the places that it did. Uh, so we will be reading this fanfiction because, you know, I plan on these episodes being around an hour. And let's be honest, um, it is a 4,000 word fanfiction. It does not, there's not a lot to it, okay? So it, it centers around an OC named Vera and we'll get into it. And I might stop myself to talk about some things. But I'll try and stay with a Russian accent while I'm reading because this is a fanfiction about Hitalia. Uh, now, if you didn't know, Hitalia is an anime from, you know, around this era of 2012, 2013. It was created before that, but it really hit popularity in that kind of 2013 era. Um, it is quite homophobic, sexist, and racist, and it does kind of glorify fascism fascism, Nazis, whatever. Uh, so basically in Italia, all of the nations are personified very, very stereotypically, which lends itself to a lot of sexism and racism, let's be honest. Uh, so you get these personified nations and the main series takes place during World War III centered on the Axis powers. Uh, so all three of the Axis powers, to my understanding, and I'm not a history major, but to my understanding, all three were problematic. Uh, and they all kind of believed in ethnic cleansing, you know, with the Nazis in Germany. What's his name? Fussolini? That's a pasta. Mussolini? Yeah, so the dictator in Italy. I don't know if he was killing people for their ethnicities, but he is considered one of the dictators. And then Japan, and they, as far as I understand, were going around hoping to ethnically cleanse Asia. 
So we have all of these nasty, bad things going on, and it wasn't properly addressed uh, in Hitalia, and in fact it was rather glorified. So that's kind of why Hitalia is a problematic thing. Um, however, I will admit that I still do like the concept of personifying nations to be hot boys. But boys, I mean men, these are all 18 plus characters. So I do acknowledge that. Um, I do, I still do like the concept, even though the source material is rather bad. And yeah, so let's get into it. Oh, this was during the era where author's notes were supposed to be like fun and quirky and like people talking to the characters in the author's notes. I actually really like that. I think it's really cute and people might see it as annoying or cringy. Um, but like, I, it's... I don't see this as cringe in the sense where it's like, oh, that's annoying and I don't like it. It makes me hurt for you for being so unsocially aware. It's like, yeah, I recognize that some people might not see this as, you know, a socially acceptable thing to do. But I think it's cute, you know. I still use the notes section in Archive of Our Own. So, um, yeah. Let's get into it. Um, God, the first chapter... Is really something. Like I said, I apologize. I am eating food. So, like, you, you can all deal with that. God, okay. Starting now, I swear. Belarus and Ukraine stood behind their brother. Someone had come to visit them, which was an uncommon thing, seeing as they lived in the middle of the North Pole. Why? Let's stop right here. First sentence. Why are they in the North Pole? You just mean, like, the Arctic North? What do you do when 13-year-old me? North Pole? You kidding me? Continuing. Russia closed the door and faced his sisters. In his arms was a little bundle. It appeared to be a sleeping baby. Russia handed this small child to Ukraine. Apparently, they found this child in the middle of a park. When they did the DNA test, it had the same DNA as our family. <laughs> She's ours now. <laughs> okay, pop quiz. You find a child in the middle of the park. What do you do? A. Call social services, you know. Uh, get this child put into the foster system. B. Take the child as your own. C. Putting ads up on Craigslist. You owe anyone miss a baby? D. Do a DNA test, which takes so much time and money, and then just ship that child to their biological family, who in all likelihood left the baby in the middle of a park? No. I have some notes on this, uh, but we'll get to that at the end. Um... Belarus glared at the baby. She thought children were selfish. This one would probably steal her precious Russia from her. Uh, and then, let's see, she gives the baby to Ukraine. And, oh my god, it gets real dumb. So she leaves. That all happens in a sentence. Um, as soon as Ukraine was alone with the baby, it started to wail. Instinctively, she rocked it. An hour later, it was still wailing. She changed it, fed it, rocked it, bathed it, and she even tried singing. Nothing worked. She was worried that Russia would be upset that the baby was still crying. Luckily, he was in the basement. <laughs> Why is he in the basement? Where it was harder to hear things from the upper level. Belarus finally got fed up with crying and went to go see what Ukraine's problem was. Sister, 
And at my wit's end, Ukraine was crying as she thrust the child into Belarus's arms. Realizing the little girl had no name, she gave it one. <laughs> this is tough. Your name is Vera, now shut up. As Belarus spoke, the child slowly stopped crying. She was soon fast asleep in her older sister's arms. Apparently, crying took a lot of effort. Ukraine was watching from behind the corner. She had planned on running away, but she heard her sister talk to the baby. She had given it a name. Vera. Such a pretty name. Maybe her sister had a hidden talent for handling children. And that's the end of the chapter. Uh, so like I said, the DNA test is fucking ridiculous. Somebody called me out on that earlier. Like, when I was writing it, I remember someone being like, Um, why would they do that? And I was like, shut up. It's fan fiction. Um... To the commenter from eight years ago, I agree. Why would they do this? Uh, second of all, I think the last paragraph that dictates Ukraine watching her and commenting on Belarus's apparent motherhood is wholly unnecessary. You know, do more show, less tell. Uh, as for how... So, I don't know. It's just very... It's a lot of it, what makes me hurt inside is kind of the skill level is poor, where everything is super rushed. The dialogue is super stilted. Most of what's happening is descriptions and observations by other characters rather than letting you experience it. It's a lot of telling and not showing. So I, I would have rewritten this a lot better. But, you know, this is the start of an original OC character. Uh, now... Jesus, I can't get my chicken. I just, I'm sorry, I'm hungry. Now, the question is, why are original characters cringy? Is it because when people first start out writing fan fiction, they want to do it with some of their own original characters? Their first dip into the fan fiction is by trying to maintain some authority, authority? Authorial, 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 we're gonna go with authorial, trying to maintain authorial integrity by introducing an original character rather than just playing with the pieces already set out for you, and because these are younger kids and this is their first time writing fanfiction, it's bad, is that why original characters are cringy, or is it because it's perceived as people pushing their own opinions and characters onto other people who would read their fanfiction? In which case, both of these scenarios, I think it's ridiculous. First of all, fanfiction is for you, you the writer, and not for the audience. Not unless you make it that way. Second of all, even if there weren't an original character in there, um, people would still be writing their headcanons and their opinions and stuff. Even while using characters that are already laid out for them, like play pieces, the bias and the own personal touch gets in there even without an original character. So, there's that. And I do think fanfiction a lot of the time recontextualizes media and makes it more open to people who would otherwise not be included in the original media, if that makes sense. Uh, so to rephrase... Um, sorry. Yeah, so to rephrase, most 
mainstream media that people would get attached to are written by males. And uh, I can't remember if this is exactly true, but a lot of the stats that I've seen have suggested that the male character to female character, main character, you know, meaning that they have more than 30 speaking lines, uh, is 60-40. 60% of main characters are male and 40% are female. So it's, you already get a lot less female representation. And I should mention that this is important because about 90% of fanfic creators, according to the last time I checked, are female. So when you kind of put those two things together, where it's like there are 40% female characters, 90% of the people using these characters are female, you kind of understand that uh, these fanfic authors kind of look at a piece of media and go, this is an interesting idea, this is a cool universe, but I'm not seeing myself reflected in it. Because even with those 40% of female characters, a lot of them are going to be written by male authors and for male consumers. So you get a lot of bad female characters. So it makes sense that people would want to make a self-insert OC or make a just an original OC character that they could insert into these universes or scenarios that they find cool and interact with these characters that they enjoy in media that they otherwise cannot see themselves in. You know, it's hard to project your self into a universe that doesn't even show someone like you. So I feel like a lot of fan fiction is recontextualizing media to fit the preferred audience. And in that sense, I don't think that self-inserts are cringy. You know? Um, arguably, you could say that other people don't like reading about self-inserts or just original characters because they themselves are looking to have the media recontextualized in a way in which they can... Uh, they can project themselves into, but doing it with, with such a personal character for another person feels like it's still not aimed towards them, but it's also it also gives it that selfish spin of like, oh, what what makes Stacy think that Ben will would date her if she were in this universe? You know, and why not me? You know, I feel like there is some of the frustration with original characters, now that I'm thinking about it, comes from a perceived lack of resources. There are already so few female characters and even less well-written female characters. So um, um, all media is like that, where it's like, oh, you can only have one female character per team of male characters because otherwise it's feminist SJW bullshit. So, you know, people might get upset if there are, are too many original OC characters because uh, they, they perceive it as a resource that's being taken up. It's like, oh, well, like, Stacy's OC and my OC can't exist together. We can't both, you know, like the same guy because then one of us is going to be killed off for torture porn or whatever. So in the sense, I feel like self-inserts and original characters are created to fulfill, to, to extend the media 
and allow people to interact with it in a way that they want. But the other consumers of fan fiction assume that fan fiction obeys the same rules as the original media, and therefore good female characters, which the vast majority of original characters in fanfic are, is a scarce resource that they have to fight over. So that's kind of where I think the cringe comes from. Just some food for thought. But... Yeah. I'm basing a lot of this off of my own experience. And like I said, this is my first fan fiction. I wrote this in middle school. I was 13 or 12. And it included an original character because I didn't feel a need to write fan fiction that didn't... Like, I felt like unless I was bringing something special to the table in the sense of a new character, somebody else would already write it because my standard of reading was pretty low at the time. Now I'm like, you know, I have a very specific idea that I want written. You know, like three different AUs that is practically original fiction and nobody else is going to write it, so I might as well. So there's that. Um... Now this is back when I still named chapters and it kind of follows a naming sequence which I rather like. So for context the summary for this fanfiction is what happens when the coldest family finds warmth in a little girl? My idea of suspense. The first few chapters are really fluffy and then plot is born. Ah! Literally in asterisk, it says angels sin. So, yeah. Um, true to that, the first few chapters are quote-unquote fluff. It's very... How do I say it? Stiff? I mean, a lot of this writing is stiff. Uh, but there are some things where it's like I can see my current writing style start to peek through in the earlier works, which, you know, it's like... It's good to know that I was always, I always had the potential to be where I am now. But the chapters do progress and I kind of, I do think that they get better as they go on. None of this writing is what I consider good. Is all it, Some of it is bordering on hilarious and how bad it is. Like if I'm looking at my screen right now, the amount of text on screen doesn't even like span a full page, like a full, like a full handprint, you know? Like, it's about one index finger long. That's how much text there is. Back to the chapter names. Uh, first chapter, there are eight chapters, and it still only totals 4,400 words. Jeez. First chapter is Mother of Ice. Second chapter is Child of Ice. Then we get Melting the Ice. Finding the Ice. And then chapter five is just titled Chapter Five. And then New Family, Loss of an Old Family, and Family of Ice. I do feel like Chapter 6 and Chapter 7's names should have been switched, and we'll get into that. So, going on to the next chapter, um, I don't want to read it. Jeez. Um, so, again, it starts off with Belarus being the only one who can really control this child, you know? She, <laughs> she only listens, went to Belarus, and it, it just is kind of, it's very stilted where it's like, you don't 
there's no persuasion of the child. It's just Belarus coming in and being like, you, you listen to me. And then it's like, okay, I'll listen to you. It's just kind of bad. But I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, then she grows up and she's about three for the first little bit. Um, she's She turns out to be very pretty and she is fairly sweet, but she also has a mean streak that she's adopted from Belarus. Um, and... I don't know. That doesn't really show through. I wish that my mentioning of her rude streak and her violent streak in the first two chapters had been a constant theme throughout the rest of the book. You know, it would have added a lot more tension, especially when we get to the quote-unquote plot twist. Um, I do want to say that <laughs> reading through this, I laughed at this. Uh, <laughs> In the author's note, in the ending author's note, it says, I still don't own Hitalia, sobs in fail corner. Because this was back during the era when we thought we had to put a disclaimer of I don't own any of this content, this is the legal property of such and such, I'm just here to make a comment on it. And we thought that's what was how we avoided, you know, copyright law. And like I discussed in the prologue, that's, that's as far as my understanding goes, that's not exactly true. Anyway. Um, then we get into chapter three, which is melting the ice, and it's a bonding moment between her and Ukraine. Uh, I do rather like the first paragraph. I feel like it is more indicative of my current style, like this is the beginning of where my style comes into play. So to read it, it goes, Vera was a strong girl. She wasn't afraid of anything. If there was anything scary, she could just outrun it. She could outrun rain, she could outrun fights, even Russia if she needed to. The only thing she could not outrun was the darkness. I guess that what was that was what was so scary about it. She couldn't run away. It seemed to pounce on her and swallow her whole. There was no way she could escape. Uh, but then it goes on and she wakes up in the middle of a blackout like usually they leave a radio on and the hall light on for her uh but everyone else was out being socializing or being drunk um and ukraine is the only one home and so you know she goes to i guess her aunt because at this point belarus is kind of like her adopted mother um but in the terms of quote-unquote italia biology she's her older sister Anyway, she goes and they have a bonding moment. Um, yeah. So, and I said that, you know, like I was like, oh, I think that... Oh, I still stand by this. Whenever people make like a child OC or an OC with a character, with a, with a fear, not even OCs, when people purse, like when they... When they headcanon a character of being afraid of something, they always make it like, oh, they're afraid of thunderstorms. Like, it's always thunderstorms for some reason. It's thunderstorms or, like, heights or something. And I'm just like, a lot of children are afraid of the dark. I don't know. Okay, and then the next chapter... Oh, um, one more thing that I wanted to touch on. This is my second time recording, so I kind of know where all the, the beats are. Uh... <laughs> My first recording, it didn't, but the program I was using didn't tell me that I stopped recording. I said, yep, we're still recording, but then I uploaded the file and it was six minutes. It's like, oh yeah, after six minutes, we, we lost track of your microphone. So I just, I'm re-recording everything and that's why I don't give a fucking why I'm eating popcorn chicken at the same time. Um. Oh yeah, so... 
in that first chapter that I read where um, I kind of discussed that it was more indicative of my current style. I feel like that's because it personifies an intangible concept. Like the darkness to some extent is intangible, but I also love personifying silence or tension or awkward feelings or anxiety. I love the personification of feelings, you know? Sorry, long silence while I just chew on my popcorn. I'm so sorry. Okay. So then we get into chapter four, Finding the Ice, which is a really dumb title name, but you know, I was running, I don't even know what I would retitle this, probably Weak Ice or Cracking Ice or something, because that's more, that's kind of more of a personification of ice rather than just like finding it, like that's dumb. But oh, here's one thing. Um, these... This is kind of where we get more dialogue rather than more showing and telling. Also, Russia um, tells Vera, "Are you a Are you okay, Drogaya Moya?" And I'm not entirely sure what that means. It probably means little girl. I cannot select and highlight and copy and check it. <coughs> oh my heavens above! <coughs> yeah, so I can't like check that at the moment. But anyway, in this chapter, Vera was picking on some wolves, like some weak wolves, and then the wolves started attacking her and Russia found her and like protected her from the wolves and she was like telling him this and anyway he takes her home she's falling asleep and she goes, Russia you are like a wolf and he goes, <laughs> That was the first time he was called a wolf. He had been called a demon, cursed heartless, but never a wolf. That probably means cruel, comma, heartless, but it says cursed heartless. Um, How so, he asked. Well, you seem rather heartless and bloodthirsty, and you may be, but you have other emotions. When the wolves were attacking me, it was because they were standing up for the weaker ones. When you went after me, you were standing up for me because I'm weak. Um, the Russia smiled to himself. He didn't know he had other emotions, but at least Vera understood that he was cruel and bloodthirsty. Um, I personally liked Russia. I do like it. I do like Russia. Um, just because, I don't know, I did like him. Uh, and looking back on Italia, the, what do you call it, the... The jeez, 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 clap, 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 can't think of words. The portrayal of Russia was not done accurately, I don't think. Um, but you know, he had, he had a tendency to say, become one with Mother Russia, which was unfortunately kind of a gross sex slash rape joke, where you would become one with him when he took you away and had an intimate moment with you. 
Uh, and this was an allusion to the creation of the USSR, because like I said, Italia was mostly set during World War II uh, before the USSR was, you know, a thing. Um, so Russia's main goal was just to quote-unquote fuck the other countries and absorb them into a huge conglomerate, uh, which did happen. Um, but I... It, again, the portrayal isn't really good. I don't think that the authors are very critical about things like this because reading it for the first time or watching Italia, I was more like, oh no, it's sweet. He's kind of like a, um, not a tsundere. What's the anime term where like a girl will kill you if you don't go out with her? Yandere? Yeah, it's a yandere. So I was like, oh no, he's like a yandere, you know, like he just wants to protect and love you. And if you don't let him, then, you know... He'll make sure that you won't need protection or love anymore because you'll be like I thought it was like really charming, um, <laughs> whatever. But I recognize that you know not a lot of people appreciated Russia, so I tried to portray him in more of a creepy light during this. Uh, and then we get into the next chapter, and in this one, Belarus turns six years old. Cheese. Uh, Cheese. Uh, it's so stupid. Okay, this is a really shoehorned chapter, and again, it's very short, but so it goes, Vera blew up the candles of her cake. Uh, what did you wish for, Belarus Ask. She could hardly believe that six years ago she found the sweet little girl. Now it seemed like it was impossible that she wasn't in her family's life. I wished for knowledge. Anyone would have thought that was a weird thought for a little girl, except for Belarus. Vera had always been very interested in learning about how the world worked. When she was little, she would ask tons of questions, but now that she could read, her nose was usually in a book. Any questions you want answered in particular? Vera thought for a moment and answered, Yes, I want to know why I look this way. All the other kids change and grow. I look the same as a six-year-old, but I don't seem to grow as fast. You too, and all the other adults look old and wrinkly, but not you. Belarus got thoughtful. I've noticed that too. She wasn't really talking to Vera and was talking out loud. The phone rang before Vera got her answer. Belarus jumped over to the phone to answer just in case it was her beloved Russia. Hello? Okay, that's another thing. I'm not entirely sure how Belarusians feel about current Russia. I do kind of feel like they might have been misportrayed, especially since uh, Russia has kind of been known to ignore territory borders. I'm looking at the invasion of Ukraine. Thank you, 2018. Um, it was a beloved Russia. Hello, sister. I have a bit of a problem. You know, the area of Kaliningrad. Apparently, they have declared themselves a nation. They said that they had been thinking about it for six years. Now they are revolting. God, this is so stupid. That was troubling news. <laughs> this is so bad. It's just the... Like, I understand that at this point I'm trying to hint at the quote-unquote plot twist that Vera is actually Kaliningrad, but it's all just so heavy-handed. But yet again, nothing is actually connected. It's not like... There are dots laid out for you to connect it, and it's like, oh, it's all coming together. It's like me telling you one bit of information that happens to be so serendipitous, and then just the characters coming to that same exact conclusion. Um, 
This was troubling news. Belarus hung up and decided to pay her dear brother a visit. Vera, do you want to go see Russia? Vera scrunched up her face. No. Why not? She thought a moment. She didn't hate Russia, but something inside her said not to go. Like a lot of people were whispering to her. Finally, she died sight that on answer. It would be betray the people who don't want to me to go. Belarus finally put two and two together. Sweet little Vera was Kaliningrad. This is so dumb. Ah, uh, jeez. I wish that this was... I wish that it was longer. You know, I wish that this information was dispersed over a longer period of time. And I kind of wish that we saw the parallels between the actual politicians in Kaliningrad, you know, the province, and not just seeing it portrayed through the nations. When I wrote this, I was not interested in politics at all, but now I am. And I'm like, these personifications of nations aren't politicians themselves. They're just a personification. You know, they got their own lives. Really, what are they doing? So I just... I wish that it took longer and it was it read more like a political drama. Um, anyway, that was chapter five, titled Chapter Five. So dumb. Anyway. Um, but then they go over to Rush's house. Uh, geez, again, this line is so stupid. Russia walked into the foyer. Yes, sister, I'm a little busy with Kaliningrad. Well, I brought her here. Russia gave Belarus a quizzical look. If Kaliningrad were here, it would have to be represented by a human. And that would mean that it was a nation proper. Sister, you are mistaken. I still represent Kaliningrad myself. Belarus shook her head. And pushed Vera in front of her. Not anymore. This is the result. I just... And then I kind of feel like we do a, do a switch, you know? Previous to this, we were talking about Belarus and Russia and such as, you know, being big brother, big sister, all of that. When really we should have been saying, like, you know, Belarus was an adopted mother for this child. Because before then, they didn't know that this was a nation and that the national human biology, whatever the frick you want to call it, was would make them more like sisters. Um, so anyway, uh, then Russia goes like, no, you'll have to become one with Mother Russia, but not in the sexual sense. I do say that in the author's notes, this is not in a sexual sense. He's not a fucking pervert. Anyway, she breaks free because, you know, they're holding her and she just sprints. And keep in mind, I have previously stated that their house... Okay, so first of all, here's the thing. I stated that they all lived in a house previously, but now I guess they have two houses. Whatever. At least they've got different houses. And they're apparently close enough to march to... <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> but that... Oh my god. So I've described it... Oh, this is so bad. I can't. I've described it as being in the middle of the North Pole. Later, I described this house as being in Moscow. Um, but so, apparently, she runs, you know? She didn't know where to go, only that her mother and uncle did not want her anymore. Not knowing where to turn, she followed her instinct. When she finally stopped, she was at the border of Poland and Lithuania! How did, how did she get out there? All around her, it was uncivilized except for one house. 
She walked over to the house and knocked. Two men with shoulder-length hair answered the door. One had blonde hair and the other was brunette. Their personalities seemed to conflict. Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. Repeat it with the show, don't tell. Hello, I am the nation of Kaliningrad. I was wandering around here and I noticed that this is the only house. Why would you introduce yourself like that? Hello, I'm the nation of Kaliningrad. What if this was a normal human man? But then it says the blonde nation spoke up. So I guess that they just like have nation sense where they conceive another humanoid as a nation or not because she in her eternal monologue refers to Poland as a nation and she introduced herself as a nation despite no not knowing if that would be an accepted fact or not. Anyway he goes, I'm Polsky. You didn't already know that? This is Liet, and we've seen you before. You're always with that weird Russian guy. He's such a party pooper. Wanna come in? <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> do, do, do. So dumb, dumb. Anyway, so she goes in and she tells them her entire life story about how she used to live with Russia and that family. But she's Kaliningrad, so she's been disowned. And they're like, oh my gosh, you can totally just like live with us. Oh my gosh. And then... This is going back to that kind of homophobia. Uh, Poland, the country, was often personified as a, an effeminate gay man, and it was always made out to be a butt-of-a-joke kind of situation, and not necessarily a representation of gender non-conforming people. Uh, so I played into this by saying, having him say, I'd be an awesome mommy. Like... Because I love just joking about gender, you know? Um, dumb, dumb ass bitch. That's me. That's what I am. <laughs> and then we just switch to Belarus having an internal monologue about how she felt torn between Russia and Belarus, or Russia and Kaliningrad, because they're two people that, that matter very much to her. Um, but there's. Here's the thing. In formatting, I really do wish that there was more physical space. Uh, I wish that... Because like, it's just a it's just, it's a single paragraph between these two um, of Callan and Grad's point of view to Belarus's point of view. I now prefer to put some extra space. So normally I do like the two, two enters to start in a paragraph instead of one enter tab. You know what I'm talking about? I like to do three enters before starting a new paragraph if I'm switching or sometimes I like to put an asterisk 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 between the two different points of views just to make sure that people understand that either time has skipped or that the point of view has skipped. So that's just a small thing. I wish that there was better formatting. I also wish that the dialogue was a lot less stilted and it made more sense. But you know, I'll take it. You know, it's getting better. There's at least more dialogue now and not just shitty, shitty descriptions of people having conversations. They talked for hours. Oh yeah, did they? What did they talk about, you fucking nerd? Okay. <laughs> this is so dumb. So this is chapter seven. Titled Loss of an Old Family. And the beginning note is sorry I haven't written in a long time. I was looking for my muse. It never came. 
All of a sudden I knew that I had to end the series so I would never have to see it again. I love the story and all, but it's too long to continue. Bitch. <laughs> You're like 3,000 words in. <laughs> too long? It's a single chapter of a young adult novel. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just a piece of shit, man. Anyway, so if I were to rewrite this, I would definitely have a lot of time pass where Vera gets to mature with Lithuania and Poland and turn into, you know, like a young adult or a teenager. And then I'd also let that aforementioned violent streak come back and have her do things with the political uprising that I fabricated in Kaliningrad. Currently, I don't know if Kaliningrad is considered the property of Russia outside of the official maps that I've looked at. I don't know if the people living there, you know, consider it Russia or not. Because, you know, they're, they're completely detached from the rest of Russia. They're right between Lithuania and Poland. But, whatever. So I definitely would have had her take place in some of the protests or riots and actually be present in her quote-unquote nation. And, again, like, because right... When she left, she was six years old. That's a baby. That's a child. That's a literal infant. But now she's moping and just all of a sudden Belarus comes over because she knew that she was with Lithuania and Poland for some reason. And I'm like, I feel like, I don't know. They could have done better. They could have. We could have done something here. It could have been like three more chapters. We could have done something. But so she breaks in and she's like, um, Lithuania and Poland, you gotta fuck off. So she kicks them out of their house and she talks to Vera, the child. And so I actually read this because the dialogue just is just baffling. The two nations sit in the living room. Vera, I love you, I really do. I also love my dear brother. You are pulling me away from him. We have to find a solution. So I am the one causing a problem. Russia will never love you. I do. You need to choose a side. Vera was offended. Belarus wanted to slap the girl across the face, but she restrained herself. We could have had more build-up. We could have had more build-up. I'll say it right there. Okay, um, you could have cut that... You could have cut deeper. You could have waited longer to cut deep, you know? But anyway. She restrains herself. My family was fine until you came along. You are the problem. You'd find a way to fix it. Better stood up. No! It's my family too. It's not my fault that there is a problem between me and that wretched Russia. <laughs> too many hours for my Russian accent. Stop trying to exclude me from my family. Belarus stood up. Your family. After six million years, you leave and you're still uh, our family? She walked out the door. Um. Then Poland comes back in. Vera curled up into a ball and cried. Her mother now hated her. Now she had no family. She didn't know how to fix it without tearing the family apart. Certainly it hit her. It wasn't the best way, but everyone else would be happy. Um, so I kind of feel like that last bit, because that's the end of the chapter, it kind of, it's been something that I struggle with. And I always, 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 no matter how unintentional, 
put it into the characters that I write, where there's just an underlying sense of suicide ideation, of internalizing the problems and thinking that the only way to solve the problems is to get rid of yourself. I do, like, even before I remembered what happened at the end of this fic, I read that line and I instantly knew what it was going to mean. Um, and I feel like, I mean, both because I knew who I was at 13 and I know who I am now, but also I just feel like that's actually a pretty good representation of alluding to without having to spell everything out or connect all the dots. I do feel like that's really good foreshadowing, at least for someone of this age and at this writing level, you know? That was a pretty good line, even though it does get rather depressing. Um, this last chapter, because we have reached the end of this fanfiction, is probably the longest chapter, which isn't saying much because it's still rather short. Uh, she goes back to Moscow and she knocks on the door. I actually think that the writing here gets a little bit better than what we had seen in the first chapter. So I'll go ahead and read most of this. Vera walked up to the house that, she, that stood upon an icy hill in the middle of Moscow. She knocked on the door and took a shaky breath. She could hardly believe what she was about to do. Rush opened the door and smiled down at the micronation. Ah, Privyet, have you finally decided to become one with me? Vera knew he was just joking, but slowly she nodded her head. The tall Russian smile just grew. He had won. Any last request before I take back what is rightfully mine? Vera nodded again. Just one. I want to say goodbye to my family. They were all huddled in a small room. All of them knew what was coming, but none of them wanted to care. To them, it was just getting rid of a nuisance. Um, <laughs> plot hole right there. Rasha didn't know what was going on when he answered the door. So how come the rest of them did know? Huh? Uh, Ukraine sat looking out the window. Though she was known to be a crybaby, her eyes looked dry. She hadn't cared much for the girl, because the micronation did not care for her. Again, shout out, tell. Also, that's a blatant disregard for the third chapter, where you two had a bonding moment. Russia smiled to himself. He never lost. Why did this pathetic little girl think she could outsmart him? Uh, I actually do rather like that line because I do think that a big kind of like theme of this is Russia thinking he's so clever and outsmarting and just being this big tough kind of like antagonist protagonist. I, I don't know what you would classify him as, but I do like that continued thing of he never loses. But then again, um, why does he think that this is his victory? He did nothing to stop the uprising, the alleged, because this is historical fiction. This I don't think happened to my knowledge. Uh, he didn't do anything. He wasn't shown dealing with any protests. He didn't go out and hunt the girl. She, of her free will, came to him and offered herself up. Uh, so I definitely think because this little girl has already weighed the pros and cons of what's about to happen to her and that it's her decision, I do think that she's the ultimate winner uh, in the sense that her first choice is what's happening. You know, nobody has to be hurt because she's the one offering herself up, not being hunted. You know, it's um, it's the sense of people feeling like they're in control when they hurt themselves rather than letting other people hurt them. Because to them, it seems more like a choice than a negative outcome of something that was inevitable. So I do kind of like we're, that we're getting that thread. Um, 
Belarus sat with an unreadable expression across her face. Once again, she had conflicting emotions. Why did we? Why are we showing and not? Why are we telling and not showing? The little micronation caused too much strife for one close family to handle. It's bullshit if you know the history of Eastern Europe. Okay, there's been a lot more strife than a six-year-old thrown a tantrum. Well, Vera said after a few moments of deafening silence. I just wanted to see my family again. Oh, this is kind of sad. No offense, but this cat's kind of sad. <laughs> and yet, Russia spoke up. You were never family. You just lived here. Vera looked up astonished. Russia continued. How many of us do you actually love? If you had loved us, you wouldn't have caused such trouble. You would have listened and you would have stayed. Ukraine piped up. You're just a brat. Unnecessary lies, but at least it pads the time. Time to become one. Russia placed a gloved hand on Belarus' shoulder and steered her out the door. Ukraine left shortly, after leaving Belarus alone in the room. A tear trickled down the nation's cheek. She realized how she really felt. I loved her. She was troublemaker, but I loved her. Her voice was barely audible. She was the only one who left me back. It was too late now. The sweet little girl that all of them had learned to love was gone. If only their eyes had melted sooner, they could have realized. Um, and that's the end of the story. I kind of do like this ending. I do think that it is better written. Um, again, I definitely, if I were rewriting this, taking a lot more time, put a lot more space. Uh, there would have been like an extra three chapters of very growing up and writing and shit, you know protest and all that good stuff. Uh, I feel like most Ukraine in the sense was kind of unnecessary, but I do think that that is necessary to kind of show how distant she was from most of her family. I do think that once she had come and offered herself, it should have been more political. Again, more political. I wish that Russia had taken her into an office and she sat on the chair and even if she's like a teenager at this point, she still feels so small considering the scope of this man in front of her and what's going to happen. And then he has her sign a bunch of political documents and saying like, when I die, I'll sign over my stuff to you. And then I do definitely think that it's vaguely implied, but like definitely I would have made it clear her that he just like took her out behind the shed and shot her. Um, because I do believe that you need to fully kill a nation in order for them to stop existing. Because, like, most of the time when we talk about the extinct nations in the Italia fandom, it ends with physical death. You know, there's the decaying age as the nation starts to fall, but then the physical death is what actually ends it. Um, because, like, Prussia was technically never killed, and so he's, like, just still around out there, I guess. So... I mean, this is all, it's all bull honky. Um, I do, I do kind of like the depressing ending theme of thinking that you had something only for it to have been taken away from you and the thoughts of you are the reason why something's been taken away from you. You know, those are still themes that I like to explore today because they are kind of internalized themes that I deal with in my daily life. Um, yeah, so, 
Reading the end author's note, I also think, gives us an insight into what I was thinking as a 13-year-old. I go, crap, right? I was going to put at the end that the only person's ice that had melted was Belarus's. But then I decided to cut it out, because it would have taken away from the initial message that Vera was loved, even if no one admitted it. I would like to point out that when Russia says become one, he means literally. He means that her land and his will be the same. He would never do the other thing. Sex! Uh, with a six-year-old, that is his niece, you sickos. Review, otherwise I think my writing is crap and I'll take it down. Um, that last part was just me fishing for reviews, as we all are wont to do. Uh, but yeah. All in all, I think that there are... I mean, Italia itself, I'm probably never ever going to write fanfiction for it again. Just because there are a lot of bad things within the media. Um, I don't necessarily think that people who still enjoy it are bad. I do think that there is some amount of self-reflection needed to enjoy media like this and to, you know, recognize and acknowledge the problematic parts, i.e. the racism and sexism and glorification of ethnic cleansing, which is all very bad. I don't, I don't know how to describe it other than bad. Uh, cause it's bad. It's not good, y'all. So, there's that. Um, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of things that I would have done differently. I probably would not write this in my day and age just because I don't see a need for this at all. But it, what was, it is what got me into writing and I do appreciate it for that. So, I don't know. I... I probably would take this down if I knew the login credentials for my fanfiction account because I hate it and it hurts my soul to read it. But it is something that I wrote. So there's that. Uh, hopefully we discussed cringe culture. We will probably touch on it again as we continue with the series. Next chapter is probably going to be my favorite. It is a special 4th of July treat and we are going to be talking about real people fiction. Uh, just some housekeeping. You can reach out to us uh, both on Twitter and Tumblr. Our Tumblr is Defending Fan Fiction, and our Twitter is Defend Fiction. There will be forms on the Twitter and probably linked to, or on the Tumblr linked to the Twitter on how you can submit fan fiction for us to review and to critique. Today's chapter was mostly about, you know, that literary aspect of critiquing and discussing what I liked and what I didn't like with an added bonus of talking about cringe culture and OCs. Uh, so hopefully we get to do a lot more literary analysis and it's not all just talk about parts of fandom. Anyway, if you've liked what you've heard today, feel free to recommend us to your friends, write us a review. We're on Apple Podcasts, I think. I don't know how to get us on Google Podcasts, but you know what? Leave us a review wherever you found us. It helps other people find us. The most important way of spreading around the word is word of mouth. And if you didn't like it, go ahead and give us a zero star review. <laughs> And just don't give us any more information to talk about because you know what if If we don't get any listens or likes or follows then I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop eventually You know it just be like that. There's only like 10 episodes planned. So if you don't like it just wait it out anyway um, I love you all very much, and I hope that you Love yourself. Bye. -bye.